This is the 12 Songs of Christmas. Today, talking about the all-Christmas radio format. My name is Alex Rawls. And the 12 Songs of Christmas is my pry bar into the way Christmas music and our culture interact. Today, I'm talking with Steve Souter, Program Director for Magic 101.9 in New Orleans, about the all-Christmas format. In New Orleans, Magic 101 goes from soft rock to all-Christmas music at some point in the fall, usually around Black Friday, but the date isn't carved in stone. They've switched earlier when they felt like the time was right for it, And in that way, Magic 101.9 is like stations around the country. Some go earlier, some go later. It's now an established thing, but Phoenix, Arizona's KEZ is the first station documented to a switched format around the holiday season, and they did that in 1990. Before that, stations would work some Christmas songs into the rotation of regular programming, and as Christmas neared, they'd ramp up and ramp up, And obviously, so it goes until the holiday arrived, and they were more or less all Christmas. When stations changed, used to be controversial, as some people thought that the Christmas season was coming too soon and that Thanksgiving wasn't getting its due. But technology has solved that problem. Now, many stations, including Magic 101.9, start streaming wall-to-wall Christmas music online weeks before their on-air format changes. They do so because all Christmas music is good business. As I discovered in 2016 when I wrote a piece on the all Christmas radio format for NOLA.com. I'll link to that story in the show notes so that I don't have to review all of the uh, things I discovered in it. But stations sell out ad time for November and December back in the spring. In our conversation, Steve Souter talks about trying to figure out ways to accommodate advertisers now who are late to the game. One of the reasons I wanted to talk to Souter for this piece is because Magic 101.9 is a little different from other stations. Many keep their holiday playlists tight and focus on canonical Christmas songs. But Magic 101.9 has a longer playlist than most, and it folds in regional music, more so than it does the rest of the year. It helps that New Orleans actually has a pretty significant body of Christmas music, but this playlist goes deep enough that I've heard Christmas songs for the first time on Magic 101.9. Since the business of Christmas music interests me, I couldn't pass up a chance to talk to Steve about how all Christmas radio works. Here we go, then, with Steve Souter of Magic 1 and 1.9 in New Orleans on the 12 Songs of Christmas. Are you from New Orleans? Yes. Born and raised. Um... What Christmas music do you remember uh, was big when you were young? I think what's important about Christmas music um, is the memories that it brings back. So if you were to ask me, you know, now what Christmas music means the most to me, it would be the ones that I remember that were meaningful to me, depending on what Christmas I was experiencing. It was that at my parents' house when I was a child, you know, in the Christmas morning when she was playing Frank Sinatra on the record player, or maybe uh, when I was a newlywed with my, my new wife, listening to 
uh, maybe some 80s Christmas music, or maybe it's more uh, when I was having my, my first Christmas with my kids, their very first Christmas. So it, it's more relatable to the exact moments and the songs that I remember listening to at certain points in my life. Are there songs that stand out that, like in your mind, you like that this, that when you sort of pushed that song? I'm always there for that song. I think, you know, since music is such an emotional button, I think that's why we all agree sometimes on, on loving not just Christmas music, but any song, but specifically Christmas music. It's really the only season that has a soundtrack. Um, and to me, probably, uh, I remember my parents playing that Frank Sinatra uh, record a lot and Johnny Mathis records a lot. So those are the ones that are the most meaningful to me. And luckily enough that those songs have carried on throughout the decades. Are there Christmas songs that that are in rotation that are hard for you? That by now it's like that one, whatever I'm going to get from that song, I've already got now. I think there are I think there are those instances for all of us. Sure. I don't think <laughs> that you're gonna you're gonna listen to all of those Christmas songs and love every one. I right. mean for me personally, Holly Jolly Christmas. Yeah. I, I'm over that one. <laughs> I get it. And um there are certain ones that uh I I get people telling me, please stop playing those songs, but uh, they, I mean, there are certain songs that are kind of cheesy, and there's certain songs that really aren't great songs. That's why you don't play them all year long. And it's really not necessarily about the song like we just talked about, like Feliz Navidad. Yeah. I get a lot of complaints about, you know, nobody even knows what that song means. But for a lot of people, that maybe their dad sang that, or, you know, they remember watching Holly Jolly Christmas on the Rudolph show. Sure. So it's those type of things that, you know, as long as you're not you know, overdoing those songs. And that's kind of the key of Christmas music is how you mix all of that together. It's almost like a science to make sure that you're appeasing as many po people as possible. And I would imagine that at, at your station, that you're a Magic 109 here, New, Magic 101.9 here in New Orleans, that that's kind of, I'd imagine, a big part of your job is to be sensitive to the fact that you know, so many of the songs that you're playing, you're playing because people do have attachments to them. Christmas might be the the, the strongest example, but that's a big part of what of, of what your station does. Am I right? No, that's that's true because every person. I mean, there's so many different sides of Christmas music. For example, um, like you have people that might want to hear a set of songs like um, "Oh Come All Ye Faithful." and then Oh Holy Night, and then Silent Night, and then the first Noel, and then Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I can't really do that. Then you have people that want to just hear Sleigh Ride and Winter Wonderland and Most Wonderful Time of the Year and Let It Snow. So you have the secular and non-secular part of the audience. Then you have the people that maybe just like all the slower Christmas songs or all the traditional so then you would want, okay, I'm just going to play Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, and Andy Williams, and Ann Murray, and Elvis, and uh, Johnny Mathis, and who else? Carpenters. Can't do that. You've got to spring in the Mariah Carey's, and the Amy Grant's, and the Harry Connick Jr., and the TSO, and the Pentatonics, with all of that, to make it more of a mass appeal radio station. So you're talking about the difference between secular and non-secular, old and new, 
and slow tempo and up tempo. So yeah, it is kind of like a science to appease everyone. And when you do that, that's when you really don't get any complaints because you're you're successfully reaching your goal of appealing to a mass audience with your Christmas music. Well, you know, it seems to me it's in a way it goes it goes back to I think about growing up on AM radio. And I always thought that was the promise of AM radio was always that in three and a half minutes, if you don't like what's on, you know, something new, something cool could come next. And that, you know, AM radio was, you know, was not, you know, was genre agnostic. And so, you know, I remember hearing, you know, Roger Whitaker next to Alice Cooper, next to a Fats Domino oldie next to uh, Van McCoy in The Hustle. Right. And, you know, and while you're not necessarily kind of that that eclectic, but there is that sense that you can hear, as you just said, you could hear The Carpenters next to Trans-Siberian, next to Pentatonix, next to, um, you know, next to Andy Williams or next to uh, Johnny Mathis. And right. that bound, that, you know, that, you know, that reach really is kind of, I think it's kind of a powerful thing. And that idea that ultimately you can connect that, you know, a lot of listeners who think they want to hear one thing end up finding ways to connect to more things through that kind of broad presentation. It's true. And I think would help that, um, because radio after that point, radio would never get back to that point you're talking about because they became more niche oriented. You know, you're either going to play 70s and 80s, you're going to be the 80s and 90s station, you're going to be the 90s station, you're going to be the new music station, you're going to be the old age station. So it became more decade-specific without being so broad. Radio stations were afraid to do that because you were trying to reach this certain audience. And then all of a sudden, all the law became the iPad, the iPod. And when you've got an iPod, you could put a Motown song next to Britney Spears into you know, an instrumental song into an opera song. And that kind of reopened up that era of, you know what? I'm not that focused on having to worry about me just listening to a certain type of music. Everybody likes different types of music. So it's become a little more accepting because of having that on your, your own, whatever playlist you have and whatever device you have. Because most people aren't going to listen to songs that typically you hear on a radio station. They like to mix a song, maybe that station and this station and that station and this station, which is a different whole era, different eras, all types of different music. That's an interesting observation. And one of the things I went through that a number of years ago, and probably around 2009 or 2010, there was a time when if you had uh, iTunes, and if you were sitting in a coffee shop or you were sitting in a public space, you could actually see other people's iTunes files. And I think the idea was was that you would be able to be sort of be turned on to more music. And but uh, at some point, I'm sure that seems like that seemed creepy. Uh, but I remember. But while I was working on a story, I at one point uh, looked. At, it was started looking at other people's iTunes files while sitting in a, in a uh, PJs, and I saw that. Everybody had, whether it was Billie Holiday or uh, Charlie Parker, everybody had at least one jazz album in their iTunes files. And everybody had either uh, Hank Jr. or had a Garth Brooks 
or uh, or Hank Sr., but they had a country record, at least one country record in their collection. And it suggested that the whole sort of, you know, superstars format of the 80s and the, all of the sort of the more segmented formats that followed it really didn't reflect the way people actually listened to music. Right. And that everybody likes some country and everybody likes some funk and everybody likes some dance music, you know, the percentages and what they like, that all changes. But this idea that we have monolithic tastes, that's just not the way people are. No, and it's true. And if you want to relate that to Christmas music, so, you know, I can play a Martina McBride Christmas song, then maybe I could play a jazzy version of uh, Jingle Bell Rock, then I can play uh, a great urban version from the Supremes, of silver bells. So that starts blending into more of that mainstream music selection that appeals to more of the mass than just the few. Played, you have a, you have one Christmas song. I want to say, is it Papa Noel? Yes, that's one of our powers, which is normally Brenda Lee would be right. rocking around the Christmas tree. But for us, it's a song about Christmas on the bayou. And this thing that struck me as fascinating, that you that this is a song, like I say, as somebody who has loved Christmas music for years, that was one I, don't, I hadn't heard until I heard you play it. Yeah, I remember hearing it. I don't remember where I remember hearing it, but it was not easy to find. Um, and uh, it just certainly relates perfectly to what we try to do instead of just being a very generic Christmas music station. Because, you know, in this day and age, it, it, with, with all the technology we have, you can get Christmas music every, anywhere you want any time of year. There are plenty of Christmas for, formatted playlists everywhere. Um, so what you try to do is you say, okay, well, let's do something that no one else knows how to do. And specifically what we do in New Orleans is I try to remember since I grew up here, what I do remember to your point you made earlier is when we were younger, what we were listening to, what were the radio stations here playing that I can play now, which means more to people that if someone's listening in California, maybe they wouldn't be able to relate to that as much. And then, you know, we're lucky to live here in New Orleans where it's not just the Brenda Lee song. She's not even from here, but the Papa Noel song does reflect obviously our culture and our home. But we talk about more than just that song. It's all about uh, Mark Broussard and Harry Connick Jr. and Aaron Neville and all those great New Orleans artists, Irma Thomas, that add such a great flavor, New Orleans flavor to our Christmas music every season. You just t- tapped on something there that I, w- I, sh- I want to go back and kind of underline. But one of the things I looked at, you know, every year sort of mid-October that Sirius launches its uh, Christmas programming. And they will actually usually launch like six to eight Christmas channels. And so, and I guess 
part of what I was wondering about is how you, like, I guess, are you conscious of that programming and thinking about how to program against against a, a, an entity that can sort of reach so many different, uh, mu you know, sort of musical flavors? We do in a way. It's not really competing because what we do we think is very special, but we make it available. That's the thing. It's like, uh, you know, we want to make sure our music is available to the hardcore Christmas people who as soon as Halloween is done, they're ready for their fix of Christmas music. So we stream it online on uh, on our website so you can reach it anywhere um you know through the radio.com app you can always listen to magic anytime anywhere so we make our christmas music available immediately uh, i don't know what that day is november after halloween and put it up on the stream and then count down to when we do it around thanksgiving day on the frequency okay now about how many songs do you have in your uh in your christmas playlist when you go to all christmas it varies. It can get up to sometimes, you know, almost 300 songs. Do you know, is that bigger or smaller than uh, other stations that do it around the country? I think it's probably a little larger because they focus more on the hits. And, you know, you do have, it's not like you're playing those 300 songs, um, you know, back to back. You have like a certain group of those 300, maybe t 10 or 20 that you call, like, these are my power Christmas songs. For us, it's like 20, but for those stations, they're probably more like eight or five. And those are the ones that just, they play every few hours constantly. And then you have kind of a second group of those Christmas songs that are kind of like your medium Christmas songs. People like them, maybe not love them, but they like them. So you play those. And then that tertiary, you have people that maybe have remade a lot, of the classics and those are the ones that kind of break up to fill the variety of, you know, not playing certain songs over and over again, except the classics like Nat King Cole and white Christmas and stuff like that. We're all going to play that. Sure. What are the, uh, are your powers, uh, are you, are your power, uh, songs? I mean, we mix our powers with a lot of local stuff. So, you know, you've got like, uh, the Eagles, please come home for Christmas being Crosby white Christmas um, some Perry Como's in there. Andy Williams, the classic from Nat King Cole, is definitely going to be a power. Um, Rudolph from Gene Autry, and probably Here Comes Santa Claus, maybe. And Brenda Lee's rocking around the Christmas tree with Papa Noel. And we also throw in some local artists like Harry Connick Jr. is always going to be a power for us. And so is uh, Aaron Neville and Vince Vance, of course, the big Christmas song <laughs> um, that, yeah, we don't need to mention. But that's, you know, one of the biggies. And Kermit Ruffins is big for us. All I want for Christmas is the Saints in the Super Bowl. Right. I saw Santa Claus swinging, swinging in the trimmage jack. I got a big wish for Santa, and it's not a new Cadillac. It's better than grandma's cooking, it's better than hot beignets. It's better than a lot of money, much bigger than a Mardi Gras day.
does the does the year uh, does the year and the Saints' success in, uh, influence uh, how that song does, or how oh, often yeah. you go to it? We, yeah, we we pretty much had to take that off a few years. We were doing so good, which is depressing, but it's been very popular of late. Excellent. I, I think we're really lucky, unlike a lot of uh, cities, in that we actually have such a such a large body of genuinely good Christmas songs. Uh, really great. Yeah, that. You know, and both and ones that reach a lot of possibilities. I mean, like certainly ones that are, you know, ones like Aaron Neville's uh, Christmas album really does play well to a broad audience. But uh, boy, I've even got, I've even got some like a great funk version of um, Little Drummer Boy, and I'm blanking on the name of the artist now. I, I will when I don't have to know, I'll know. Um, but anyway, but it really is is excellent and. The idea that you can actually go like deep into soul and R and B from here, as well as go to something that is very immediate and kind of like hits right into the you know the sort of the nostalgia main line and the you know the the memories of your life main line that's so important as such a part of what you do, and and that's got to be you know I mean it's gonna be a nice problem on your on uh, at your end to be a way to. Or distinguish what you do from other stations. Yeah, it's something I really enjoy doing, and I, I would tell you though the hardest part of that and the negative part of that is, to your point about so much talent, is because a lot of people know that we do this type of you know local Christmas music here on on Magic. That I really do get about thirty to forty. Uh, at least every season of local artists doing Christmas songs that want us to play them. And, you know, some are good, some aren't. Um, but you know how hard it is for you to have such a well-produced Christmas song um, that I can squeeze in between Nat King Cole and, you know, Wham's Last Christmas. It's got to really be good. Yeah. And it's hard for me to explain to them that, look, I, you know, I know you worked – doing this Christmas song for months and months. And I know you, you know, spent money putting the CD out and, and bringing it to me or at the studio, but it's just not good enough. That's the hardest part because I mean, there, there, there are a lot of talented people here and the songs, they aren't terrible, but it's just, I've got to pick and choose. I mean, there are Mark, not everybody's a Mark Bruce or Aaron Neville or Harry Connick Jr. And I've got to make sure that I'm not just playing a song because, you know, someone in, locally did it it's got to it's got to have that feel and that blend of everything else i'm playing in that hour sure and i have to say you've mentioned a few times and i would be slacking if i didn't pick up this thought but uh harry connick jr's latest um christmas album uh is about i'm trying to find the date of it time of it right now but probably about like 2012 2013 uh 2008 okay a little farther back than I was thinking, but it's great, uh, yeah. and that it made me appreciate what a really good arranger he is. That you know, we think about him as obviously a, as a as a really strong piano player. Think about him as a strong singer. Think about him as somebody who can put so much person, you know, lay his personality into the material he works on. But like you mentioned earlier, that you you know you've had, you've you're you're good on Holly Jolly Christmas. And he's got a version of Holly Jolly Christmas that is so smart. And it was a song that I thought, I've always thought of as basically a pretty slight song. And 
a song that is like the second or third best song in a cartoon. And it still is like when he gets those, like that was pretty compelling. I'm, uh, I was there for all four minutes of that song. So, yeah. Do you play uh, Michael Bublé's version of Santa Baby? We do not. <laughs> I think we only have the females. Yes. It, yeah. It's it's very funny because there's a point where he, he makes it a dude song and starts singing to Santa Buddy. After the first <laughs> time going through it to say Santa Baby to establish the song, after that he calls him Santa Buddy and Santa Pally. And so he kind of goes rat pack with it after that and... So, no, but if we did, you know, we actually do have like a novelty Christmas category, you know, with 12 Yats of Christmas and, and stuff like that with Dominic the Donkey. Right. You know, th- those type of songs that we want to come up every now and then that are the fun, like the 12, um, 12 Pains of Christmas, um, stuff like that. Were there, are, there, are there songs that have grown on you? And I have to say, I'm going to give you one just to sort of, you know, give you a second to think, but I have to say that... There was a, that up until recently, I've always found Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You to basically be wallpaper because I kind of I couldn't distinguish it from her persona and what her persona has has been in the last the last five to 10 years. Right. And as a part of this series, I actually sat down with a New Orleans musician uh, boyfriend and we just chewed on the song and taking the time to go back and just put it in headphones and listen to it in that kind of isolation and chance to go back and look at the, the the first video for it. And I was really struck by in retrospect, what a good song it is. And you know, you're you're sort of used to thinking of Mariah Carey in terms of big, you know, big vocals with lots of big runs and that it really isn't that. And it's very much sort of a contemporary girl group song. And so I found a fresh sort of appreciation for it, stopping to think about it for a minute. And I know you obviously hear a lot of, you know, hear a lot of Christmas music and hear a lot of these songs. And I wonder if there's been over time ones that have like popped up for you and said, oh, that's better than I used to think it was. Well, I know the Mariah stuff, um, 
is a little different for her because those are her favorite songs. Like she will say over and over, these are my favorite songs I've ever done is their Christmas songs. So I know her heart's really into it. Um, and not only the up-tempo songs she does that are so popular, um, but even some of the gospel songs, you know, with that voice, I think are really impactful. So I agree with you on the Mariah. Um, I think the hardest part is for a lot of contemporary artists that are trying to either make a new Christmas song, which is always tough. Uh, Mark Broussard uh, has a really good song um, that's, uh, that he did a couple of years ago um, that we play that isn't a remake. That's an original song that I love. Um, but it's really hard for contemporary artists to come in and, and try and pretty much remake the classics. Every now and then it will work, but more likely it doesn't work. So I'm always looking for that because it breaks up the monotony of me playing certain songs. I mean, you think about when you go in your Christmas library and you have how many versions of White Christmas, how many versions of Let It Snow, how many versions of Sleigh Ride. And that's kind of the, the hard part of when you're mixing this music is is playing all these songs in a certain order. Because, you know, when you think about it, you might have Sleigh Ride come up every almost every hour, but by different <laughs> artists. But, you know, in people's minds, you know, you ask the question. So when they hear Sleigh Ride, they say, you know, I've heard Sleigh Ride 50 times. Yeah, but it was by eight, you know, nine different artists. So that's the hardest part of trying to to keep a blend of people coming up with new songs that want to get be a part of what we call the magic of Christmas. Right. Just hear those sleigh bells jingling, ring ting tingling too. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. And outside the snow is falling, friends are calling you. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with me. Giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, let's go. Let's look at the show. We're riding in a wonderland of snow. Giddy up, giddy up, giddy up, it's grand. Just holding your hand. We're riding along with the song of a wintry fairyland. Our cheeks are nice and rosy and comfy and cozy. How big business-wise is Magic of Christmas? It's huge. It's huge. It starts in July, um, and they start locking things down. The problem is a lot of businesses don't really start thinking about it till after Halloween. So all of a sudden, you get this influx of companies and businesses saying, I want to run these spots, I want to run these spots, I want to sponsor this, or I want to be a part of this. And it's really difficult to say, you know, we had that locked in, we had that locked in in July. <laughs> but um, there are ways of finding different things to do. We've come up with different contests to, you know, to, to appease some advertisers, some big advertisers that wanted to spend big money. But, you know, it's not just for the radio, I think all over. Um, I think Christmas is such a huge moneymaker, and I, I think we see it going up every year. And more importantly, which we which we find out is how much businesses love putting the Christmas music on. Because when we first start getting people asking when you put the Christmas music on, it's a lot of businesses that play it in their stores, and I think they feel like it spurs buying. And I think that is something that you know I, I, I'm proud to be a part. To boost the local economy, if that's the way I can put <laughs> Do you have a way to gauge, in terms of uh, listenership, 
how you're doing during uh, during that time? We don't because in this month, well, we do and we don't. We don't with the normal rating service that they call Nielsen. Nielsen in a lot of markets has a program called PPM, which is a different way of registering who's listening to your station. And it's all it's only in big markets. We were supposed to get it before Katrina, and then we never got it back. Um, so that measurement continues all the way through December. And yes, you see results of all these Christmas stations that double, triple, quadruple the ratings. In New Orleans, we do not have that PPM. So our ratings session ends like December 3rd, I believe it is, or December 4th. I'm looking at it right now. It ends December 4th. So it doesn't really get measured at all. They pretty much take a vacation in December and don't measure anything. But what we have now is with new technology and we have our stream. Well, you can see the stream quadruple with more and more people listening to the stream of Christmas music that we have. Um, so that's the way we kind of measure that. But it's more of a perceptional thing. Sure. I mean, when, when you drive around or walking around and that's all you ever hear is, you know, the magic of Christmas everywhere. Um, that's mostly what you hear. I hear you on everywhere. And that's, you know, that's wonderful. So when you get home at the end of the day, do you put on Christmas music? Um, <laughs> well, there are certain reasons why you do just to listen to it, to make sure everything is, is rolling fine and make sure that it's, you know, it's, it's sounding right and that the quality is right or make sure you didn't do anything wrong. Or even, you know, you learn by listening to 15 minutes of Christmas music saying, you know what, I didn't like that blend. I need to do that differently. Or, you know, that was too old. We had too many Frank Sinatra's and Dean Martin's and Andy Williams and Elvis back to back. We could have thrown in you know, something else in there. So you're always learning. And I, I really do enjoy it because, you know, it goes so fast. By the time we have it on and we're in the middle of it and we have so many Christmas events that we're associated with and we do our big Trans-Siberian Orchestra concert a week before Christmas, then it's pretty much over. Right. It's really, it's really fast. It goes really fast for us. And how long do you keep going after Christmas? Well... That's a good question. <laughs> Before um, I got here, um, they were doing a different type of Christmas music. They were doing a lot of it on um, reel-to-reels, and it was more gospel-y, and they would end it at like 3 o'clock Christmas Day. And as we got into it more and we started evolving the Christmas music into more of what it is now, the magic of Christmas, um, we started listening to what people were saying, and obviously people were saying, why don't you carry it at least till midnight? So we went all the way through midnight Christmas Day. And then there were the people that said, look, I'm still celebrating at 2 o'clock in the morning, and you're killing Christmas for me. We're still celebrating at 3 o'clock. So we actually go to like 6, uh, well, 5.30 the next morning on the 26th. And then there are the people to the point you made earlier uh, when we were talking about 12th night. So there are some people that are very upset that the Christian holiday doesn't goes all the way through that twelfth night, and that's the Christmas season, and that I am you know destroying their lives by stopping <laughs> Christmas music on the twenty fifth. So I have that going for me every year, and they don't seem to understand that you know I'm, I'm trying to appeal to you know I've got to get back to regular music because I'm trying to appeal to a mass audience, not right. just. A, a certain part of the audience. Thanks to Steve Suter for the time and the talk. You can find Magic 101.9 on Facebook. 
if you don't have anything to say to him. And you can also find me there at 12 Songs of Christmas. Stop by and let me know how you feel about all Christmas radio. If you're listening to today's episode on the 12 Songs homepage, I hope you'll find the show at Apple, Google Play, Stitcher, or Spotify, and subscribe. While you're there, leave a review. Both of these things will help other people find out about 12 Songs. Thanks as usual to AF The Naysayer for the theme music, and to you for listening. We'll finish today with New Orleans' Kermit Ruffins, who released Have a Crazy Cool Christmas in 2009. This is his version of Donny Hathaway's This Christmas. Talk to you again next week. <laughs>